0: Ladies, gentlemen, friends outside the binary, the Baku, welcome back to Motorsport 101. three hundred eight of Motorsport One Hundred and One. I am your friendly neighborhood host Dre Harrison, and let me just say on the record that my choice of attire for this week's episode has absolutely nothing to do with one nope. the results at Baku this past weekend, or two the fact I wore a Ferrari shirt last week. Oh, same. Yeah, uh, nothing. This, this is purely coincidence. No, actually, I,
1: I really yet. love the synergy here between uh, the two between the two opposing corners of the show. We have. The modern and the classic for Team Silverstone. We,
0: there's always mo- there's always money in nostalgia. There's always money in nostalgia here on this show. And uh, to be fair, me and RJ oh, oh, we own the exact same T-shirt, and one of us had to change. So, it's um, <laughs> so what happens when you shop to these high class events? But uh, hey, gang, Dre here. Good to see you. With me as always, R.J. O'Connell. Hello, sir. You
2: know, anyone got a spare million and a quarter so I can buy that uh, Schumacher car? I-, I need a new daily driver. Yeah, Michael Schumacher. I-, 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 I have three dollars. Now on sale. <laughs> um, probably going to be sold by the time this episode comes out. But yes, Motorsport 101 is here to reaffirm our commitment to hashtag build back greener pink tinted windows.
0: Yes, yes, I'm here for this, I approve of this, I'm going to rebuild this church brick by painful brick, because <laughs> we back, baby, What we want to let the people know that we back up, and uh, it is a glorious time to be a church pastor again, isn't that right, Ryan King? <laughs> oh, man, uh, now nah, I'm, I'm
3: holding out zero faith, let's ignore Miguel Oliveira for a second, no faith, uh. <laughs> 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 wow.
1: You know, I know, I know KTM's kind of had a, a rough start to the year, but I didn't know they hurt that bad. He
0: he he's denounced the prodigal son, the man that's won them three grand prix in the last year and a half. <laughs> How dare you denounce our, our our patron dentist son, Miguel Oliveira. <laughs> king, I'm disappointed in you. Is, is it the next king is that it? Is, is that it? <laughs> yes.
3: Yes, it is the Knicks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, Dre,
1: uh, given the events of the last week, the only person who's allowed to talk shit in basketball circles right now is RJ.
2: I know! He's, he's the I last got... man standing. <laughs> look! Look! My Hawks fandom is just a bit! Also, also in a defensive King... You know, if you follow professional wrestling, you will know that Miguel Oliveira is not the dentist who is crowned champion at this point. M- Miguel Oliveira has got a lot of catching up to before he even gets into Brit Breaker's stratosphere.
3: Yes, Pittsburgh's favorite dentist. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. <laughs>
0: Dirtiest. <laughs> uh, I did, did not know that was a list, honestly. But so uh, here we are. King, awesome how would uh lead.
2: King, before we before we introduce Cam,
3: how would uh how would you say dentist in Yinzer? I, I I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Although I, I should point out, congratulations to to Coach Thibodeau for being recognized by the association as Coach of the Year. And also Derek Rose
1: than... got one MVP vote!
3: <laughs> Yes. <laughs> there there are a hundred votes for NBA MVP. Ninety nine are given to members of the media to vote, and one is given by the fans. And the fans voted for Derek Rose.
0: <sighs> the fans are a very strange set of people <laughs> I think we should take their rights away. <laughs> did they
1: do they only give did they only give the vote to fans with knee problems? Oh my (laughs) god I say this as a massive Derrick Rose fan
0: I know, I know I I don't get it either, but uh, yeah Somehow, RJ's the last playoff team Standing, everybody else in here is miserable And that includes Cam Buckley, hello sir Hi everyone, Uh,
1: you know I may be miserable about the Celtics But you know uh, You know that Nürburgring, not really 24 hours Because uh, We had a whole lot of fog And uh, you know you know, seven seven <laughs> wins and fifteen attempts and uh oh. we sip in that BMW pack. Oh. <laughs> Vengeance for oh. twenty twenty <laughs> Fuck you, COVID. <laughs>
0: My, my, my Porsche man is out here literally feeling himself right now as we speak. We have Hennessy, we have... Oh, no, no. Uh, uh, no, in this, this case, Samson. I'm doing a little
1: tribute to uh, a supporter of the show, Tony. Got a little Captain Morgan, a little spice rum. Oh, Captain. <laughs> Captain. <laughs> no, the, uh, the the Hennessy reserves all got dumped in the river after, uh, after the Celtics... Got annihilated.
0: Ah, oh, that's fat. You that's know, fat. I
1: had the
2: experience that's... of watching the Celtics get bounced in a Boston sports bar with a bunch of people oh. who don't even follow sports that closely. It's just like, oh, oh this is going to be an interesting time watching them get 20-balled out of the playoffs.
1: All I'm saying is the <laughs> oh, way the Bucks the are playing patience. as we speak, uh, the Celtics look pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Respectable, and uh, that that, that like first that drink it? was celebratory. Now this is one to uh, dull the pain. <laughs> he's
0: balancing, he's balancing the accounts. You say, look how well, tiny well, well, Joel looks. Joel Embiid so tiny. Joel Embiid makes Triple H look tiny. That's my other <laughs> basketball
2: <laughs> observation. Dre, what do we yeah, talk about looks. today?
0: Uh, We've got a loaded show on us on this one here, folks. We'll be talking Formula One and um, an Azerbaijan Grand Prix that started pretty tame and then suddenly it wasn't. Um, A whole heap of drama in the second half of this one involving two tyre blowouts, uh, a shock podium for the ages, Sergio Perez winning in Baku, and something called a magic button. No, seriously, it, it it was called the magic. It made all, and it, it made all of those points m- magically disappear. I know. <sighs> like we'll, we'll we'll talk about Lewis Hamilton's greatest magic trick later on in the show. We'll also talk about MotoGP in Catalonia because, uh, oh lord, um, I almost feel bad for Miguel Oliveira. He won a Grand Prix, and no one talked about it because all the talk was about Fabio Quattararo's chest. No, we're again, not kidding. You're gonna have to listen to the full show. You gotta listen to the full show for context on this one, but uh, let's just say someone's levers exploded and uh, it didn't go down well. Uh, it's a strange one. You'll have to hear us out on this one, but uh, yeah, the Catalan the Car-Land Grand Prix was uh, wild in every sense of the term um it, we'll get into all of that over the next hour or so but in the meantime places you can find us uh, are on youtube.com for 101 if you're watching us on there hi uh, w- welcome glad to get join us leave a like hit the subscribe button if you haven't already uh big shout out to our man tomo for plugging us up because I happened to be on his channel last week so there's a bunch of new guys watching hi hope you enjoyed the show no friends! Um, Friends, new friends, enjoy. Come in, come along and enjoy. Um, apparently, Cam's supplying the drinks. Um, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And our personal handles are on the screen right now. But if not, if you're listening in audio, they're uh, at Harrison101HD, at CBuckley917, at RJ O'Connell, and at Ryan Eric King. You can follow us all on there. We're on Instagram as well, at Motorsport101pod. For all, the, get all that good stuff as well. Updates, clips, all that good stuff. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all the audio editions of the show. You can upgrade to $10 for the video versions as well, as getting access to the Supporters Club of our Discord server, where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. So, without further ado, let's get into the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. So another year, another
3: Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Welcome us, welcoming us all, and uh, yeah, the championship definitely not gonna be decided by what happened today, and if it did, it was way too close. (laughs) Carfum yeah, as most as both contenders for the championship had a rough day where Verstappen, uh, Verstappen didn't make it to the end of the race because he had a left rear tire failure down the front straight at over at almost 200 miles an hour uh, and it was alongside uh, another high speed tire failure for, for Lance Stroll over at Aston Martin uh, a lot of questions were raised about the Pirellis though uh, after though it seemed like it was gonna be an open goal for Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. The race went down to a two lap sprint to the finish with a standing restart, and it seemed like this is Lewis's opportunity for the race, but surprise, surprise, it was rigged from the start. Lining up for the lining up for the restart, Lewis accidentally hit a button on a steering wheel. Nope. That 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 is not what happened. Um he
1: switched that off, and then after the start, he hit it again during the upshift. Oh, He okay. hit it between the
3: start and going down to turn one. Yeah, and he hit this button, which has been colloquially referred to as the magic button, which drastically shifts the brake bias to the car. Uh, doing so meant that when he tried to dive bomb for the lead in turn one... Uh, he locked up instantaneously, and then just shot off into the runoff, and ended up being the last car running on the road. And but you'd think, oh, maybe the constructors, Mercedes, will pick up a bunch of points from that. No, Valtteri Bottas was uncompetitive for most of the race and finished twelfth. So, who had the worst weekend? Hamilton or Verstappen?
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna take a punt and say yes.
0: <laughs> I set that one up, didn't I? When I wrote that, right? Um...
1: <laughs> oh man! Uh... Both of them looked like they could potentially win this race. The way the the circumstances throughout the weekend played out, both of them walk away with a goose egg. Verstappen.
0: I was gonna go, go ahead, Dre No, I was going to say, I think it's Hamilton. Um, It's one thing for Verstappen to have a freakish tyre blowout when he was leading the race. That's obviously a brutal bit of luck. Um, uh, Pirelli is still looking into the exact reasons why. We'll get into that next. But Hamilton missed an open goal. This was... But people don't talk about it as much. Yeah, like people... Didn't notice this so much on the restart, but Perez's launch off the grid for the standing restart was awful. Yeah, yeah, Lewis had the lead. It was done. Lewis had the lead. uh, Lewis had it. Going into turn one, he had the inside line and he had his car alongside. You'd think surely Hamilton would have taken the lead instead. As mentioned, he hit the magic switch. He basically had no rear brakes. He suits off into the slip road, and Mark Webber is, is basically seen cackling like a rooster in the background let's, if he watched on Channel 4's let's coverage. Let's put a and, number on
1: this. Uh, the normal brake bias settings for race conditions for Lewis Hamilton's car are 51%. To the front. The magic button, push this, appears to be uh, 865 Percent to the front.
2: (laughs) Ooh! Ooh, that's a lot at the front!
1: And uh, this had the predictable effect of basically shutting off his rear brakes and all of his MGUK regen, and he just flew off into the
2: runoff. And... Hamilton had an open goal to steal a win in a car that, as we kind of established in Monaco, does not work on street circuits.
1: No, uh... This
2: is a faster street circuit than Monaco is, but... Mercedes were not expected to do this was, well and Hamilton this was somehow
1: weird. worked his way in position win. This was weird because we we talk about how Mercedes often gets their bad rounds out of the way early and kind of get into their stride. This was another one of those weekends where Mercedes didn't have a, v- a particularly quick car. They went with a very extreme setup for Lewis to try and get him up the grid and sacrificed Valtteri Baltas as a toe in qualifying to get him P2. Just had him slipstreaming all the way down the front straight. But Red Bull had the quicker car fundamentally this weekend, and it wasn't even close. Hamilton could hang on to Perez's coattails. We'll get to him later. But he couldn't make a move. With Verstappen out and Perez vulnerable due to a, at the time, unforeseen car issue, which helped trigger his poor start. This is one of those weekends where you think, okay, Mercedes... Didn't have the fastest car, but they're going to walk away with more points because Lewis is the more consistent driver with the more consistent team, and they they win their championships on their worst days. And then Lewis fat-fingered it and flew off into the runoff and converted 25 points to zero. It just doesn't happen that often. Yet it's arguably happened two weekends in a row. Where...
0: Bottas was going to. Two bad Hamilton weekends in a row, and he was lucky to get away with Imola.
1: Yeah, he got away with Imola. Monaco, he was nowhere. Here, he, as far as I'm concerned, put in a champions drive up to that point. But a very small mistake with catastrophic consequences. And the point I was getting to was last week at Monaco, it was throwing away points with Bottas with the blown pit stop, the world's longest uh, right front tire change this week. Finally got it off. Oh my god. And this week it was Lewis making a very uncharacteristic mistake under pressure. Ugh. Oh, and we haven't really and, talked about it. And yet, yeah, Verstappen you know, didn't put a foot wrong. He was perfect up until the point where his left rear tire decided to clock out early.
2: And colossally <laughs> that's Mansell. Mm. Kind of
0: yeah, jeez. That was it. Been a part of 320 clicks and uh, luckily he got out and walked away. Very, very lucky on that one. Yeah, Verstappen had a real... Ch- for me, Verstappen had a real chance to put some serious damage into that championship lead, another major blow. But if effectively, he's got yeah, away with they one. Both he's dodged, probably the net winner here. because they it's, both it's,
1: it's, dodge nukes yeah. from each other. Because it looked like it was going to be yeah, points for Red Bull... And then big points for Mercedes, and then no points for either of the two championship contenders.
0: Nobody yeah. wins! Yeah. Well, Verstappen wins, because it's one less round for Hamilton to make up the points. Yeah, but it's one
1: more where Red Bull cleanly had a quicker car.
0: Yeah, that's, that's also true, but even in this case, a zero is still a positive in this case, because right now, Mercs are clearly mm-hmm. on the back foot. That's how I look at it, anyway. It's a weird thing um, to say, isn't it? Sometimes, sometimes no news is good news, and uh, yeah, in terms of the constructors, it's still oh, it's a good news for Red Bull because they still left. Oh, th- th- they still left plus twenty five on Mercedes, which is massive. We're on that later. Um, for, t- for for two weekends in a row. No, like I said, if 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 well, the worst part about it was, I don't know if you listened to the radio messages, but then Hamilton was in his car telling the boys. It's a marathon, boys. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeats eats it yeah. into turn
1: one. It's, <laughs> just,
0: it's one of those things. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna beat him
1: up over it. It's just not. Lewis. Lewis will often make him. He will make his mistakes usually when there's so little pressure that he's kind of disengages. This was yeah. just yeah. A, a very very
0: small thing that blew up in his face. It happens. That's the that's the beauty and the horror of F1 sometimes, I suppose, right? so why, you know, we talk about every marginal gain being important and a very, very marginal mistake that, you know, you would never think about in a million years. Cost a man a Grand Prix win uh, and a critical one. Uh, that one that would have put him back in the lead but of the Drivers' Championship world. comfortably. Yeah, would have been a massive swing. And instead, Verstappen's gotten got out of jail free, essentially. Um, speaking of Verstappen's weekend, you've got to talk about the blowout itself. We had two Osmond, as King alluded to at the top of the segment, Lance Stroll and Max Verstappen. Very, almost carbon copy yeah. incidents. So left, left rear just explodes at the better part of 200 miles an hour, Um both on Baku's front straight. Pirelli are investigating this as we go. They also found a cut. On the left rear of Hamilton's tire as well. Um, how much, for guys, do you think Pirelli has to answer for for this one? Because face value, it's not a good look for them at all.
2: Yeah, it's it. It looks like it looks like the popular theory is that Pirelli just hires nothing but people who don't know how to make tires as part of some long, elaborate, sick joke on the motorsport community.
3: Yeah, per- Pirelli's initial findings, they feel that it's most likely debris, but again, they they're investigating. We know this. it wasn't
1: We know it wasn't quote excessive wear because there was still tread on the tires, there was still tread depth it didn't. It wasn't that they wore it to the canvas. Oh, yeah. My concern and me a armchair expert who doesn't really know much of anything. Um <laughs> I've watched a lot of racing in a lot of different series. And it concerns me that, in rather than just a puncture, these were two outright delaminations where the carcass separates from the sidewall basically instantly and launches the car into
2: the wall. That's and for Stafford's case, he had a, like a re, he missed a really awkward hit against the yeah that like could have been that could have been a
1: horrendous in the wall. Crash. Um, thankfully, Ooh. just knows mm. that in no major harm done to either driver.
2: And we get a good meme out of it, too, with Verstappen kicking his car and experience Azerbaijan in the background, which that's (laughs) pretty much the picture of this race. If it is debris,
1: fair enough. Debris cuts down tires. It's how tires work. It concerns me that the tires failed so completely structurally that they just launched the car straight into a wall.
2: And it's another case where Pirelli's in the news, but not for the right and reasons. And that's... Pirelli, you shouldn't be in the news as a sole tire supplier in Formula One, or in any sport for that matter, because in WRC, we had a complaint that somebody's tires believe it Ms. Mads zosberg who said that his uh, Pirelli tires were getting shooed up, and that's an entirely different discipline. Ironically, the tires they use in JT uh, World Challenge, they're like hard. The other attack.
1: thing is, and I think it's the reason why I am somewhat skeptical... The tires effectively failed at the same part of the track, in the same corner of the car, with the same mileage on them. About 29 laps, I believe, for Verstappen on a green flag running because there was some safety car. 30 laps for Stroll. Mm. And the, during the weekend, Pirelli made major mandated adjustments to pressures and camber on the rear of the car. Due to concerns about the tire durability. They did, yeah. So, I'm going to reserve judgment. But, debris kind of seems like the easy way out when... Unless it's a pretty big, sharp piece of debris that we can clearly see just wipes the tire out. Sorry, Valtteri, a couple years ago. Um, Mm. Pirelli clearly had concerns about the tires and to them and the only person who got to the recommended life on the hards of 40 laps ended up being lando norris
0: mm. i was gonna say the whole thing is strange because pirelli also said um, initially to launch their investigation that that like the when it comes to loads being being bad on the tires it's actually the right rear that gets it worse than the left one um, a Baku, so it makes it even weirder that we had two almost identical blowouts.
1: Yeah, that, like, they both fell on a straight. Which is even weirder!
0: Like, well, 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 a
1: straight with some curves in it, but full throttle, not a lot of load going through the tyres in terms of vertical loading, but load as far as speed and centrifugal force, some of the highest on the F1 calendar.
0: Yeah, I, I, just, just bizarre. All of it is bizarre. And I, I don't envy Pirelli because their goodwill with the audience is already kind of run out. Um, like, it ran I, out like, Silverstone it, it was, twenty. It was
2: already like half out out before we ago. got to Silverstone in twenty thirteen.
1: Let's yeah. be real. I ran out ten years yeah. ago, three races into their tenure as a supplier.
0: Yeah, and like when Pirelli made their thread explaining what was going to happen, a very prominent. Uh, fellow YouTuber and podcast host was like, or you could just admit there was a problem with the tyre. And I'm just like, oh, here we go. (laughs) It's because it's just like, people don't buy Pirelli shit anymore. Because that tweet got over 3,000 likes, and I was just like... I just rolled my eyes, because... Pirelli are never going to win that fight. It was exactly win. what One did.
2: good shirt from the peanut gallery, and that was Alex Pillow's tweet, whatever you drive, drive a Firestone. <laughs> he, is, <laughs> he is looking up at the sky and screaming at the racing gods to
1: give him a tire failure later this year.
0: Hmm. Oh, dear. It's, 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 yeah, it's just not a me.
1: good look. Oh. Well, Any time that you, are dri- that you have a driver out in the lead of a race, and... They are launched into a high speed crash. to no fault of their own. People
2: aren't going to mm. be happy about it. Yeah, they would have been, mm-hmm. been. They would have They would have been even more unhappy had Hamilton gone up, had gone out, and then went on this race. Because, like, yeah, that sucks. Oh God, if you yeah, have the two tire failures. But if one the of the them causes a major
0: hateful championship fan base is shaking hands, <laughs> oh God. A, a common goal, a mutual disdain of Pirelli. It's like, oh, that that that's... You, you don't want that. It's that's like, that's like, that's like an evil version of the Mega Powers colliding. You don't want that shit. Yeah. Um, the one that, one tyros- speaking of you don't... Know, yeah. Uh, was like, speaking of you don't want that shit, and I want to go to King first on this one, because he, he's got a long history of judging Valtteri Bottas on oh, this podcast. Lord. Um... <laughs> Oh dear! Um, another one that was quite quickly pointed out on the internet was Valtteri Bottas's very very uncompetitive day and finishing in twelfth. And also the clip that went viral from F1 TV of him falling down the order on that final restart and dropping no, out. No, that of was like at the start of the together. race. Well, was the start of the race? Okay, my yeah. Just he lost. I think it was like four places in six corners. It was brutal to watch. Um, King, how much of that was of that blowback was justified? Because on the face of it, 12th for Bottas is ugly. Yeah, when when
3: you're in the reigning constructors' winning car and you're not even scoring points, like I'd take any points at this point. Like when you're not taking any points home, it's not good. It's not good. <sighs> we'll,
1: we'll, we'll get to it uh, with, with our next subject for another number two driver in a top team. Valtteri Bottas is now costing Mercedes the World Constructors' Championship. That's Mm. where it begins and ends right now because when Mercedes had seven-tenths a lap on the field, Bottas could put in five stinkers a year and more or less be okay. Now when he's that far off of Lewis... He's in the midfield, and he can't overtake. And someone had raised the point. They were running different setups this weekend to try and just throw anything to the wall and see what's stuck to wake the W12 up around here. Why do you think they use Bottas as a sacrificial lamb in qualifying? Because they knew oh. Lewis was their only shot. And it set him up for an awful an awful race. He was even worse when he was very timid on lap one. Mm. And to cap it all off, a day that looked like he was going to be scoring fringe points at best, was then destroyed when he pitted right after Verstappen had crashed due to his tire failure, only for them to throw a red flag for everyone to change their tires. Yeah. Which cost him any could, track position he could had. Could save them. And it's just... It's a bad look when Lewis can cope with extreme setups, because he's just that damn talented. He can he can run a setup on a car that Valtteri just can't. Lewis can. It's live got with me it. thinking,
2: like, man, I miss I miss Williams Valtteri.
1: Inherently, right now, the Mercedes is it's not slow. What's been claimed from it this year is its operating window. The the, the nigh on infinite operating window That its two predecessors had Now it's a temperamental car It Has trouble getting heat into its tires It has fundamental rear stability problems But it's still Brutally quick If you can get a handle on it Valtteri just can't right now
0: I, I, I said this on my Substack page earlier in the week, and I'll repeat what I said there. A, a, a part of me feels sorry for him, and a part of me feels sorry for him because narratives can change so quickly in this sport. And I mentioned three rounds ago after Catalunya, he was plus 15 on Sergio Perez, and that was fine in the grand scheme of things. That's not a problem. That spot has holding up his end of the deal on the constructor standpoint. What's happened since then? A dodgy wheel nut. In a race where Perez climbed from ninth to fourth, which wasn't his fault, and now make that uh, clear. again not his, not his fault, let's make that clear. Not really. I mean, you'd have to be ultra harsh to pin any of that I on dota. him. And then, and then a massive, <laughs> and then a massive swing in Baku where he was uncompetitive. And of course, Sergio Perez wins his first race <laughs> for Red Bull. And two rounds later, he's minus twenty-two to Sergio Perez. Oh it's, man. It doesn't tell the full story. And and again, like people will read the scoreboard and go, well, Bodass has been terrible. Well, Bodass was fine until two rounds ago. And it's, it's the nature of his two bad rounds for the year were two rounds where he was actually needed and it couldn't have gone worse around him if it looked... It couldn't have looked worse if it tried. No. Imola, he was uncompetitive and was about to be passed by George Russell. And if anything, got a reprieve from people because Russell accidentally T-boned him. And then now at this race, he was uncompetitive. And, of course, Perez wins. And now the scoreboard looks horribly against him. But the problem is, he doesn't even need to be...
1: He doesn't need to be Nico Rosberg, right? And he's not going to be. No, he doesn't. But... No. He's not even being Eddie Irvine. He's not even being Mark Webber. He needs... No. He needs to be mid-table points at a minimum. Because if Perez has a has acclimated to the Red Bull, and two two tracks where you need confidence in your car, Perez has looked the best he has so far. If this is mm. the trend going forward, Mercedes is screwed. They're not going to win the Constructors. Yeah. They might they might eke out the W, um, the, the Drivers' Championship, depending on how things play out with Lewis and Max. They will not win the Constructors if Baltas is third one weekend and twelfth the next.
0: We'll have to wait and see. I mean, I mean, it's it's still too early to say. We were raising eyebrows at Perez after Spain. So, of course, he has t- his two best rounds of the season straight afterwards. Um, if anything, if it was quite funny that Perez said, hey, give me five races to get used to this car. Race number six, he wins. <laughs> so, of course... Uh, <laughs> if he he held up his he word. Goes, Every narrative that... Every narrative that could go against Valtteri hit him all at the same time at Baku. It was brutal, and I. That's why I said I felt a little bit bad for him because the, the numbers don't tell the full story. Three out of his first four races with him finishing third, and that was fine. And I, that's why I said I think the net, sp- the pass score for Valtteri is now second, and I don't think he's capable of that in the context of the field right now. I, I, I I want to tie a bow
2: on this because I thought about it. I could I could go on about potential constructors' championship implications, whether or not Mercedes will replace Valtteri after the season or even midseason. And then I listened to the latest episode of Shutdown, full cast, and Spencer Hall put it perfectly. Terry Boat, Terry Boat ass? He's just vibing. He's just out for a leisurely cruise. And then what happened? He finishes ahead of Lewis Hamilton. And he finishes ahead of Matt's Verstappen. The moral of the story here, never try (laughs) it's it's a lesson it's a lesson and a virtue that can be bestowed upon us all
0: I'll drink to that (laughs) I'll drink to that indeed speaking of drinking which I somehow didn't take up um, after this result um, (laughs) should we talk about the the positive side of the weekend and that podium (laughs) We shall. Good idea. Good idea. <clears throat> so, In case you didn't get the news already, Sergio Perez won. You may have seen that. Um, it was uh, a wild one. Tick full advantage of a fallen teammate in a struggling animal to take his first win in Red Bull Purple. Um, yeah, the first man to actually win under two different manufacturers in this era. Believe That's it or incredible. not. That's uh, incredible. Of, uh, a man who was winless eight <laughs> rounds ago. Because, of course. <laughs> it's... it's, it's this sport doesn't make any sense sometimes, but, uh, oh, man, it, crazy, crazy stuff. And behind that, Seb- Sebastian oh! Bill Oh! Second! second. Yeah!
1: <laughs> Podium on, in the back.
0: <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. Well, more on that in a second. But also, we had Pierre Gasly as well, finished third for Alpha Tauri. Their best result of the year so far. Holding off Charles Leclerc in a crippled AlfaTauri at the end of the Grand Prix to take the to take the podium finish, um, it was an incredible finish. It was a incredible bit of drama. The drivers seemed to like it actually. If Fernando Alonso quite jokingly said, and this is a man who gained four places on the final two laps to finish in sixth from tenth on the standing restart, said, quote. We need to think about many two-lap races, twenty-five two-lap races, or something like that <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> oh, old man Nando still got it off the line, most definitely. Um, and quotes "Everybody goes for everything and tries to make up as many positions as they can in a very short time." I didn't see the replay of the last two laps, but I must say, on my side, that was it was very intense. I really enjoyed it. Hopefully, in the future, they will do the same. How friggin' oh, was hype was that podium, fellas? My Whoa. words. <laughs>
2: Look, this was perfect. There were net zero championship implications either. No, 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 no. No, we need to talk about
1: Sergio Perez's championship implications with his nice 69 points.
3: Sergio,
2: I'm sorry. You can't score any more points for the rest of the year. Throw the rest of the season. Like, just say, you know what? Put Alex in the car for the rest of the year. See, here's here's what's not about to happen. Dude, Sergio oh. Perez could have been run out of Formula One at the end of his one terrible year at McLaren. Like, there was talk that he could be shuffled off to IndyCar after just three seasons in F1. And now in year 11, he's a two-time Grand Prix winner, and he's a Red Bull winner in just his sixth race with the team. That's awesome!
1: He's as good as he has ever looked. Look And he didn't just inherit yeah, this okay. win, either. Although he did. He was on... Despite a somewhat of a subpar uh, qualifying because of how the red flags worked out, he had the pace. He was fast enough to follow in Verstappen's tire tracks, to overcut Hamilton despite his own dodgy pit stop, and then hold him off. Perez was on Verstappen's pace for 90% of their time together this weekend. Sometimes he was
2: faster. And that's ultimately why they made that move. Like, I I lament the fact that, like, Pierre and Alex couldn't ever drive like that when they were at Red Bull, but that's water in the bridge now. And in one case, like, hey, it didn't work out all... The- it's not, not all too bad for Pierre at that other team. We'll get to it in a bit. But, man, Sergio Perez is is really, really impressing with Red Bull now. I'm, I'm so happy that he's finally a competitor. He's got more wins than the brothers Rodriguez in Formula One, which surprises me. And uh, first...
0: Yeah, first yeah.
2: Red Bull winner
1: that wasn't uh, Max Verstappen since
0: 2018. Daniel Dan or- or- Ricciardo, oh, oh, Danny Ric, God! <laughs> oh, that, that, another time where I, a guy won having to nurse a crippled car. Uh, uh, oh yeah, and did <laughs> amazing. this did this a hydraulic issue,
1: which was slowly <laughs> killing his car. It's why he had a poor restart. They were scared that working the power steering too much, which is hydraulic on these cars, would uh cause a pressure loss and mm. have them to retire
2: the car. Although, uh... They told him to stop the car on the first corner of the cool-down lap. If that race had been one lap one lap shorter, they, it may have set up victory for the 2nd place. Side note,
1: thank goodness Perez didn't jump Hamilton at that restart, because if he's ahead going into turn one and Hamilton still hits that
0: button, oh dear god! Mm. Oh no, no, no. Oh. <laughs> A repeat of another 2018 moment oh, involving no. a Red Bull. Dre, you don't want that. Uh, the floor uh, is yours. But no, but mm. <laughs> <It's time>. let's <laughs> fucking go. Yes, we are on son. that crack again. <laughs> Oh, like, I, I I, described it on Discord the night after the Grand Prix, and I said to, to the guys that were listening in on our, our supporters club, I said, do you ever remember the days of, of the UFC when Chuck Liddell would win and he would just go arms out like this, running backwards over the cage? That was me in my bookies, because I was watching the race at work, and I literally screamed at the top of my lungs, let's fuck go. Um, on my on the phone to my brother, who is also a Sebastian Vettel fan in the background, it was glorious. <laughs> Rebuild was this church! Put puts the respect and, on this church! Oh, I, honestly, it was just like... As a Vettel fan, of course, the last two years have been tricky, to say the least. Um, had to ask serious questions about the man's ability, about what he was doing in that Ferrari camp, and you know it's it's not been a great time um, and and the last two rounds i mean he drove superbly at monaco was driver of the day there um you know was, was excellent there and then this this no. didn't feel like a fluke no, before, earned the, that shenanigans, second place. He before the shenanigans he clawed his shenanigans he was field. going to be p4 yeah. Yeah, he was running fourth on merit. He was running the leader's pace on his alternate strategy. Of course, his tires are a little bit fresher than everybody else. That's because he went long fantastic. on the soft stint at the start. He, he went 17 laps stint. on the softs. We know Vettel's great on his else. tires. And yeah.
1: And I, I, he wielded that to... He looked like Sebastian Vettel. He
2: looked like... He looked yeah. like the Sebastian Vettel of old. He looked like the Sebastian Vettel that 10 years ago, nobody could stand this dude. But now in the twilight of his career... With a plucky underdog British manufacturer securing their first ever Formula One podium. Or their first since, you know, that time Racing Point scored their last podium.
1: Look, uh, this this is a Team Silverstone that looked more like last year's Team Silverstone. Uh, Because Stroll was on for a good result before his inevitable Mm. tire failure. But uh, this looked like the Sebastian (laughs) Vettel that is. The tire whisperer. The relentless driver that we saw smash out four world championships on everyone's head. He looks comfortable in the car. Car car still isn't My particularly fast, but just give Vettel something that he is comfortable in. And there's really there there's maybe one person on planet Earth who's faster. And even just his swagger when he got out of the car, he looks happy. He looks comfortable, he looks like he's enjoying Formula what? 1 which is more than I think we've been able to say that in the last really two and a half
2: years. The hairline's coming back in, too. I'm sure of it. It was asked preseason <laughs> pre- pre- like testing. Uh, I like how post-race, um, he,
1: in, in the pit lane, he, he looked over at Benotto and yelled, Grazie. <laughs> Go off, my son. Go off.
2: Man, I'll tell you what. Beautiful. Some, it was ass in preseason testing, has Sebastian Vettel actually forgotten how to drive fast? I'll tell you reader. No. No, he has not forgotten. Awesome. He never I don't think he forgot how to drive fast. He certainly is shitting and forgot how to drive clever. And I'll tell you no, this, that, uh, he's that, got that particular
1: that, that that particular Jalopnik rider is currently having a bad opinion
2: about something else. Getting post getting roasted is getting posted. Thanks Machiavelli. Oh, <laughs>
1: Beautiful.
0: Beautiful. No, like I said, it, it's... it's And you know what's funny about it as well? is like, given that the man's prime had him universally cast as the villain of this sport, to see the fact that nearly half the goddamn paddock was celebrating with him on that one, getting like fist bumps and arm shakes from Norris and Leclerc and Alonso <laughs> and Perez after the think... race, it's like... How has he become the most universally liked guy in the sport now? What happened here? Like, honestly.
1: I think there's a lot of people in that paddock who know that whatever was going on at Ferrari last year and the tail end of the year before, Vettel was not in a position to show what he could do. And now he is. And started off pretty rough. Um, I don't think the first two races could have gone worse if he tried. But in the last two races, he's looked as good as ever. And he still keeps his finishing record of uh, a minimum of P4 around this place. Yeah, sheesh.
0: Oh, one, one more. I mean, we have got to talk a little bit about Gasly as well here. I mean, oh, again, man was nursing a power unit <gasps> problem the entire second half of the race. And yet again, Pierre Gasly finds a way to get on the podium for the... F- it's the third season in a row Gasly has gotten on a, on a podium in a car that had no business being there. Um, However... This weekend, despite that power unit
1: fault, this weekend was a banner weekend for Honda and Formula One, uh, if not in MotoGP. More on that later. Um, <laughs> we... We were heading towards a Red Bull Honda 1-2 with Gasly P5 at a minimum and Tsunoda P7. Uh, Tsunoda Yuki
2: Hive is back, baby! P7! Let's his um...
1: go! Banner day for Honda, who are still on their starting power units. All the Mercedes and Ferraris have changed. Mm. Mm. But going down the, the main straight with a lap to go, Leclerc slipstreams and passes Gasly. Gasly gets back into a slipstream and drag races him down into turn one. And those two
3: battle
1: battle tooth and nail for the remainder of the first sector. Gasly's got some moxie to put the moves on LeClaire that he did
2: but all he does is he just spends his time looking over the data sheets. He doesn't have that killer instinct at the wheel or whatever the fuck it was that <laughs> Christian order said. <laughs> Gotta say, though, great weekend for AlphaTauri, And we haven't even mentioned that Charles Leclerc got back-to-back polls. Although yeah, we, and uh, his, Fer- his Ferrari teammate helped influence the red
1: flag to claim it. <laughs> again! <laughs> <That's> <laughs> good, uh, again!
3: Good job, you. <laughs> they said, good oh, job, it's science. so rare, it'll never happen. <laughs> Next weekend, like, good one, job, King. Once
0: again, once again, I have been owned by Ryan King on on this show because last week I said it's so impossible that there's no way this will happen again. Back to back rounds. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dre, uh, Dre you may pick I'm up.
1: Lied. You may pick up your L on your way out the door. Um, Pierre you. Gasly is very <sighs> damn good, and. Yes. He's making yeah, a case not- when that AlphaTari contract is over, maybe some top level team should take a punt on him again.
0: Which is funny as well though, because Alpha like Helmut Marco admitted he's got a two year option on Gasly at the end of the season. He sent it to the German press yesterday.
1: Mm. Well they can they can always just start throwing more money at Alphatari. Yeah. Why not have three Red Bulls up at the front? Why not?
0: Why not? It's, you know, it's not a bad idea. Also, awesome. before we get out of here for the F1 section, I've got to ask as well: Did we like the two-lap sprint finish? It was a very, it was very NASCAR. It was very green-white checkers, um, and whatnot. And I, we, I we wouldn't talked... have been
2: bothered if they just decide to end this race under safety car, but mm. you
0: know, I'm, I'm glad yeah, the race. Massy wanted out a like finish. It. He openly I, admitted
2: he wanted a finish. I
1: didn't mind it, but to actually get a gauge on it, I think we need a bigger sample size than just. One instance of it happening.
2: I, I don't think it. we're getting it next week and uh, in our next round because if if you like K, you, you see, chaos. Dre said that last
1: week, and now we're in the same situation <laughs> How again. I just what, do we never learn
2: the best French Grand Prix since it came on the calendar, folks. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> oh no,
3: that that'd be uh, wonder- that'd be real big because considering this is the oldest race on the calendar. <laughs> The granddaddy
0: of them all, RJ. I want you to eat your own shorts if we get a good French Grand Prix next weekend. Look, if it's anything over a seven out of ten, I demand this happens. Like (laughs) you're you're you're, you're pushing fate here, my friend. Like King, I want I-, I want that in writing. And if it's a good French Grand Prix, that's the intro for the episode. Like, oh, Lord. RJ I demand it. A pair of
2: shorts. Okay, um, I got a, I got a selection of edible shorts here. It looks like I, I got a candy g-string, a juicy. I fruit want pair it to of be shorts.
0: made as fabric. <laughs> We're not going right. down the candy OnlyFans road, okay? We're not doing get the, this. Uh, get the um get the supreme shorts, the brief jerky. <laughs> And on that
1: note... <laughs> and on that note, we are moving on. Thank you for listening. I'm going to go um, down this bottle.
0: Yeah, good idea. Uh, while, while Cam considers Alcoholics Anonymous, well, um, we'll get into the MotoGP Grand Prix of Catalonia. Alright,
2: be right back though, folks. God. <laughs> In an upset for the ages, KTM's Miguel Oliveira followed up his second place finish at Mugello with a brilliantly managed victory at Catalunya. Despite pressure from pole sitter Fabio Corderaro and Johan Zarco at the end, Oliveira controlled the race, one he described as, quote, the best of his career. However, the action was overshadowed by a bizarre incident with Fabio Corderaro. With five laps to go, his leathers ripped open, exposing Fabio's bare chest. Fabio then proceeded to throw out his chest protector and keep going, also gaining a three-second time penalty for cutting the first chicane. Fabio then received another five three-second penalty after the race for not riding without his chest protector. It dropped him from third to sixth in the final results. Fabio said after the race, What happened, I don't know. I just know that I had the leathers completely open in the first quarter with five laps to go. I tried to just put it in a normal position again. I couldn't do it. So it was difficult to ride, but unfortunately it happened. Alpine Stars, Cordero's equipment manufacturer, is also been said to be investigating the matter. A day on, Fabio admitted that he probably should have been black flagged for, quote, incorrect behavior. So, folks, I'm gonna turn it to you. Did the steward's punishment of Fabio's chest protector toss fit the crime?
0: Fuck no. <laughs> Not, nothing will fit the crime of RJ stripping in the middle of a podcast first and foremost this is uh <laughs> <laughs> king's King head and hands <laughs> he wasn't the only one trust me um, oh. um,
1: yeah. holy fucking shit this happened um, we watched a MotoGP rider a week after we just lost a Moto3 rider um, ride around bare chested throw out their protective, uh, the protective chest armor, and then continue to ride around for the remainder of the race, um, at full speed. Without even, uh, zipping their leathers back up.
0: Holy shit. I said it on Twitter. I've been watching bike racing for 20 years. I have never, and I do mean ever, have I like, ever seen that happen before? That is a once-in-a-lifetime moment right there, folks. That that just doesn't happen. Um, look, and, and Alpine I, Stars
1: did also uh, issue a statement mm. today as of recording that there was nothing wrong with uh, Fabio's
0: uh, race suit. So what the hell happened then? That <laughs> doesn't explain anything. It's just how was it? How did it happen then? It's like, was oh, wrong with a suit? But that doesn't explain what happened, does it? Um, f- thanks, Alpine Stars. I mean, that's very useful <laughs> of you.
3: Well, they they weren't trying to explain what happened. They were just trying to say, yeah, wasn't us. Wasn't us. Don't know what happened. Wasn't
0: us. <laughs> blame, blame someone else. <laughs> but blame we the just of out in this corner. Now it's in this corner. Now it's in the other corner. No, Fabio was just trying to appeal to all the people out there that were watching for the eye candy. Um, no, look, I I said it on Twitter. I'll say it again. He should have been parked. There is there is no doubt in my mind about this. This was extremely dangerous. Um, all jokes aside. Um, there. You may not have seen the race. Those suppose you may not have seen it. There was a moment where, he did, where, where RJ talks about how he cut the chicane. He'd lost the front of the bike he very nearly crashed while trying to adjust his levers if he lands chest first that track is turning him into a cheese grater
1: yeah i it, it, uh, if fabio goes oh. down chest first he dies that's where it begins and ends for me
0: yeah it's 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 a horrendous potential disaster and not even did he try to fix it and obviously tried to continue. He was still fighting Jack Miller for a spot on the podium in the last four laps of that race. That was an intense fight. I wonder what was going fight. through Jack Miller's
2: mind too. It's just like,
0: hey, dude, dude, your, your,
2: your jacket. Why are you fighting me so much?
0: Apparently Miller was like, I'm not fighting him that hard because I know he's getting punished for cutting the chicane, which he was. Yeah. Um, they were told before the weekend if you cut the chicane and don't drop a second of time, you will be hit with a three second penalty and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, so Miller knew. So he, he was like, I'm not going to fight him that hard because I know I'm getting the third anyway, um, basically. But it was
1: bizarre. It was, blatantly
0: un- it was flagrantly <clears throat> unsafe. Yeah. like, And the fact that the stewards got to ride with that for five laps and not pull out a black flag is didn't no, me. They didn't even,
1: they didn't even investigate him during the race. No.
0: No, I just... <sighs> this is unbelievable. Like, I, I said it on... Again, I said it on Subside, I'll say it here. These stewards are not fit for purpose if they missed something like that. That is terrifying that... At no point did they consider just straight-up black flagging him and saying, look, you've got to park it, not just for your safety, but for the safety of your fellow competitor. It's not safe for you to be on a motorcycle track bare-chested. That just goes without saying. The fact they threw him a token three-second time penalty after the race for it doesn't solve that fact. It's pointless. It doesn't change anything. And that response,
1: that viewpoint from us was universal. Everyone in the media said it should have been black flagged. All of his fellow competitors said he should have been black flagged. He himself Mm. the next day said, yeah, I probably should have been black flagged. Although since then, he's now taken the approach of, oh, well, if you were riding with your leathers open, you wouldn't want to be black flagged either. I'm like, (laughs) it's a a flagrant safety issue. We just lost Jason a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. Through a, a type of crash that is fairly unavoidable when it does happen, when when a crash plays out the way it did with Jason, usually it's the worst.
2: Yeah, this was and avoidable. We, and just hours ago, we saw Ayumu Sasaki get clipped in the head, and thank goodness he is okay with only with only a concussion and a broken orbital bone.
1: Yeah, um, potentially more on that later, but it's just. <laughs> We wouldn't continue racing if there was an inherent safety fault with the track that we could easily rectify. Yeah. So why was We had to run the
2: shitty chicane that nobody likes after Louis Salam passed away at this very track.
1: Yeah. Why Hmm. why do we allow a rider to compete for five laps with their safety equipment ineffective? No longer if he goes down. If 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 he goes down
0: Assume the worst. Yeah, and he nearly did. That's what made it even nearly... more scary. He nearly did go down, and yeah. the, the first thing we saw was the video of him literally chucking this chest protector away. I'm just like, what is going on here? I mean, it, it was it was terrifying to watch in real time as it was going on because again, this is never this has never happened before, and seeing it as it happens was just utterly terrifying. And yeah, like. Just like I, I can only echo what Cam is saying. He should have been parked immediately, and the stewards need their heads wobbling seriously. That is, that is uh, literally and, and this... your job to to ensure the safety of your of, of the riders, and you've failed exactly. at that, uh, that job. If you are letting Fabio ride with that chest exposed like that, yeah, you I... were f- like Freddie Spencer needs to be ashamed. You're a fellow rider, Freddie. You should know about what this is like. Like, yeah. they should all know better. This is ridiculous. And and, and the point had yeah. come up
1: um, in discussions about not wanting to affect the title race uh, I'll, by because uh, I yeah.
3: I you were the, you the
1: only one,
2: thought m- my cynical brain went led me towards this path that if they black flag him that's there's a potential that fabio Quartararo could lose a championship by as many as 16 points or less because of a wardrobe malfunction and cynically i thought MotoGP stewards did not want to have that happen you're not the
1: only person to bring that up however to which i respond with this if they didn't see it they're not fit for purpose if they thought it wasn't a big deal they are not fit for purpose and if they decided to not significantly punish him because they were scared of it affecting the title fight, the MotoGP stewards are not
2: fit for purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think that was going to impact it anyway because Fabio Corderaro clearly is the one rider who has a bike that looks like it wants to win a championship and the rider who actually looks like he wants to win a championship. He's clear odds-on favorite. He would have come away with the points lead of Montmelo anyway. It would have been slimmer, but he still would have had the points lead and there's plenty more rounds where he can go pad that lead.
0: Yeah, it, it would have been be a, a minor L for Fabio because the, was Miggy at the moment is not a threat and the only one who is in front of him was Johan Zarco who was second on the day. And um, I got to see Johan
2: Zarco win a race before I start considering him a real title threat.
0: Yeah. Right. If six career seconds places for Johan Zarco now. He's going to break Christ. through. He must one be getting of these real days. S- Well, you know he's getting real sick and tired of not winning. It's like not again. <laughs> like how many times? This time it's the KTM for God's sake. Um yeah, just... we have I got to give a I didn't mention this but shout out to Miggy because he's he's ridden superbly the last <laughs> two rounds. it's just that new KTM frame. Sweet
1: damn. <laughs> Dang. What did you do? What did you do to it? <laughs> I,
3: like, I didn't. I, I didn't do anything. I was like, guys, more orange.
1: <laughs> you know, that's there it. You go. know, it's known that uh, another layer of paint does help in chassis rigidity.
0: Of course. Who, who the fuck it? Well done, Miggy. Um, again, said it before. One of the most underrated guys in all of the sport. He's such a such a classy rider, and um, glad he's he's bringing KTM back up to the table because uh, he's a. Damn good, world-class rider. Speaking of guys that aren't in a, world, uh, a world-beaten outfit at the moment, Cam, tell us about your mans. In your own time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this next dear. This segment's about God, Honda.
1: Honda Racing Corporation. Well, <sighs> Honda couldn't have chosen a worse time to have arguably their worst weekend of the season, with Honda corporate executives, and that is Big Honda, that is parent company Honda. Honda. Advisors watching in the garage, Mark Marquez and Paul Espargaro, both crashed due to low sides during the race. Ataka Nakagami having difficulty keeping the bike on the road and suffering long lap penalties as a result. Paul Espargaro was very vocal along with the other riders during the week of how poor the bike currently is even suggesting that the team needs concessions to save their bike, which would mean no rider from theirs gets at least a second place on the podium finish this season. Quote from Paul Raids, I would not be ashamed to have concessions, and to be honest, we need them right now because we don't have test days. I have only done five days of testing this season, which is nothing. The bike is not at the level that all of us would like. And next year, we will have the same test days and we will continue to be in the same difficult situation where we are now. I pitch this to you. Should Honda just give up on this year, go all in with concessions on 2022? And more importantly, should Alberta we be fired?
2: It's like, damn, they had like Honda was not playing around. They brought they they were like, they they brought Soichiro Honda's ghost back to try and slap
0: Plague around. That's what it felt like to me. It's a strange one because Marquez said he was having the best seven laps he's had this season and then completely went down in a freakish manner at turn 10 um, out of nowhere. It was like, oh, for God's sake. Like, it's, it's the first time in his MotoGP career he's crashed at three weekends in a row. That's never happened Jeez. for Mark Marquez. And he
1: was fast up to that point. He was carving yeah. his way through the field. He was running he with looked the leading like, group. In his own words, I felt like Mark again. And then yeah, he lost the obviously. nose and crashed.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh... But the, the weird thing is, according to Cam's question, is is that the problem for Honda is if they're, if they're even thinking about concessions, the next round on the calendar is the Saxon Ring, where Marquez has won for 10 years in a row. He's never Undefeated. lost. Defeated. He is never lost at the Saxon Ring, and... It's it's the perfect track for Marquez. We've talked about it before. It's a it's a clockwise track, but really it's more anti-clockwise. A bunch of left-handers suits the dirt track in training that he goes through. The Honda might be too good to fail in this instance because, like that, might be Marquez's one shot at a win this year. Like he's lucky in I mean, the sense that when... Honda have got yeah, they've got a five-week summer break after this round as well to consider. That was well, help. Can't, but it's a can't long the summer bike. break.
1: The, the, the issues with the bike at this point are intrinsic. They've got an issue right now where the bike needs... It stops really, really well, and it turns in quickly. Every other aspect of the bike is a broken tire fire.
2: And now Mark Marquez can't ride around those
1: problems at that point. That I, I wouldn't even say that because Mark was riding around them pretty damn well for the first seven laps of that race. Yeah. The issue now for Honda Is that they've got a bike Where you need to hammer the front tire Into the ground to make it work Going into the turn But they don't have the rear grip To support that They've got a bike where you need to be incredibly aggressive On turn in And through the corner But they don't have enough Rear grip to let you be aggressive Without crashing the bike (laughs) Pfft So the bike can't be ridden in the way that needs to be ridden to be fast. Mark is trying to tie the thing in knots, trying to make it work, and he tips it into a turn on the brakes, his typical Marquez style of beating the front tire into the ground. The rear wobbles, he catches it, the front goes down. And unlike in the past, it's not one of those, it's not a slide you can see coming. It's not a slide that Mark could traditionally save in the past.
2: And you know what I think Honda should do? I think they should put some spider tack on the rear wheels just to, just to get that extra <laughs> grip.
0: Okay, I think they should. If it works for Garrett Cole, it's good enough
1: for everybody.
2: <laughs> but uh,
1: and, and their point is is that there's no way to make major changes with the bike, and we, by all accounts, they are making a total architecture change for next year, moving the engine around, new fairing, new aero, new everything.
0: Yeah. But they, they tested the bike on the day afterwards in, in the test, and Marquez did 79 laps. But on that the was merely
1: which... this year's bike modified to kind of mimic what next year's might be. But mm. when you've got Marc Marquez, Paula Spargro, Alex Marquez, and Taka Nakagami all crucifying the bike publicly. And the only saving grace for the head of HRC's MotoGP program, because they had the head of World Superbike in there as well, is that the guys running Mm -hmm. World Superbike aren't any more competent because they're not really doing anything.
0: No. No. It's not not
1: all Alvaro Bautista's fault. Well, Bautista needs to stop throwing his bike at gravel traps. The point stands, I think, Big Honda understands there is something needs to change in the management of this team because the management doesn't work. This is the first round where really Alberto acknowledged that the bike is fundamentally broken.
0: And It took him a year and a half to realize that. Yeah. She she never admits fault. No, it, it's no, never
1: Honda needs to they need to wake up. And realize that not, this is not going to change without a major reshuffle. Whether it's the bike
0: a year after co- a, or the people. A year after committing 100 million pounds to Mark Marquez and giving him a, the biggest Ma- contract in the history of sport. That's another point.
1: Mm. People talk shit about how the, the bike is tuned to Marquez and he's just aggression and vibes.
0: Well, look what the development of a year without Marquez did. They, they were shit for two thirds of the year. It, it only really was the final third when Alex when Alex Marquez started putting it together and Taka got a pole position at Aragon.
1: No, but a year a year without Mark on the bike influencing the development and the bike is the worst that it's been in the 1000cc era, and it's not even close.
0: Comfortably, comfortably. I'm not sure if it's sackable on Qui because I think a lot of the issues probably started from before he even got there, but something's got to give back here. Well, someone
1: alienated Danny Pedrosa out of the team, and Danny Pedrosa's doing a fine job of developing
0: that KTM now, isn't he? Imagine! Grin, King! Grin! <laughs> you know, only four race wins in the last two seasons, you know. Team Orange
2: stands its short king of development.
1: <laughs> and uh, the point with concessions is is uh, for, to achieve concessions, you need to you score a total of 6 points over the course of a year a win is worth 3 second place is worth 2 third place is worth 1 honda's on 4 right now because of alex marquez's two podiums last year they basically can't score a second place or they will lose concession status yeah for next year
0: i said the thing i think with marquez being as good as he is then they might, they might still be too good for that and that could be a problem in itself, um, which is scary, to say the least. But yeah, that'll do it for this week of Motorsport 101. Quite a quiet weekend, actually, for us, relatively speaking. We've just got IndyCar in Detroit, haven't we? Yeah. Um, of the free IMSA, IMSA? Bit of IMSA? Who knows? You know, if something's worth talking about, maybe we'll, we'll crack a bit of IMSA. We'll have to wait and see. Oh, but... me, I
1: wanted to talk about the N24, but it ended up not being the N24. <laughs> Yeah, like, it was like the N4.
0: <laughs> but uh, Kevin is uh, a god. He is indeed. But uh, yeah, beautiful stuff there. And obviously, beautiful tribute to Sabine as well. If you've if you got a chance to see that as well, go out of your way to yeah, see it. That her, uh, awesome.
1: her name was on that roof for the Manti car
0: that won. Indeed, beautiful stuff. Right, like I said, next week we'll talk about indie cars bound to be exciting duel in Detroit keep an eye on Alex Palau as well he'll be starting that with a 6 place grid penalty for race one which is bound to be interesting as well early engine change believe it or not that rules coming into play so that should be interesting for the championship leader but in the meantime please you can find us one more time we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101 um, we're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101 we're on onlyfans at onlyfans.com forward slash RJ O'Connell after that performance early (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> We're on Twitter.com forward slash motorsport underscore one oh one. If you follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD at C Buckley917 with a bottle. Um at and Cottle and at Ryan Eric King. And you're on Instagram at Motorsport101 Paul. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five dollars gets you early access to all of the audio shows we do. You can upgrade to ten for the video version and access to the supporters club. Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. Thank you very much for watching. We'll be back next week. I'm now going to go off and celebrate with a bucket of ice cream because that's the morning's back, baby. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison, they've been they Cam Buckley, really Ryan are. King, and RJ O'Connell. Until next time, sayonara. There you are. Bye.
1: You're going to force me to drink more. Ha <laughs>